Hi, welcome to Expert Talks. This is the interview series with thought leaders in the AI analytics and transformation space. My name is Mahadevan Iyer, Maha for short. I'm your host for today and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Manage Marketplace for On-Demand Actionable Analytics. Our guest for today is Vijo Matthew. Vijo is the Senior Global Director for Analytics at ABNBev. Prior to ABNBev, Vijo has worked as Advanced Analytics Leader at Honeywell. He's also led analytics in almost all areas of retail at Tesco. Vijo brings over 18 years of experience in analytics and data science leadership. He's a B, Masters in Industrial Management and also a Six Sigma Black Belt. Vijo, thank you so much for making time and speaking to us at Expert Talk. Thanks, Maha, for the opportunity. Uh, my journey with Maha goes to my Tesco days, so I know Maha for more than a decade. So thanks uh, for, the, for the opportunity, Bursha. Great. Uh, thanks again, Vijo. So, uh, Vijo, uh, let's talk broadly about, uh, you know, given your experience in the data science space, uh, right? What are the few factors that you think are extremely critical uh, for analytics to create impact? Yeah. So, every company, right, uh, when they're using AI analytics, which whichever term you're going to use, right, or, or you're going to use data, right uh, it has to serve a purpose right it has to create some value for the company right typically if you look at any company right you have to increase its revenue by doing certain things or you should reduce overheads right that's the two ways a company can be more profitable you can keep your revenue steady but you can reduce your overheads that increase your profitability or you have to significantly improve your sales itself to increase your profitability so typically for me, analytics has to serve one of these purposes, right? And, you know, the most important thing in the analytics that sometimes people are very much underestimate is the need for uh, domain understanding, right? Uh, none of the analytics professionals are domain experts. We are, analytics is a data science is a domain agnostic science, right? Today we're working on marketing, tomorrow we're working on logistics, third day we're working on supply chain, right? But it's very important for you to partner with the right colleagues in the business or subject matter experts in the business to understand a business problem statement, right? Second thing is not every business problem statement can be solved using analytics. So you should have a good understanding of problem solvement that you're going to take. Is it a solution that can be solved using the data that you have? Third thing is understanding the data maturity of an organization. Many a times what we see, Maha, is you know, we have this dream of doing big things. But you find that it's not something that you can do today or tomorrow. Maybe you have to wait for three months or six months or a year because data maturity becomes very important in, in analytics. Do analytics at scale, right? And, and fourth, today, as we speak in the market, is having the right skill set of people. Why I'm saying this is 10 years back, analytics was all about data scientists, right? And analytics was done as analytics of service. Everybody used to build a solution, and then somebody else will replicate the same solution for different businesses, different geographies, and they run it manually with basic automation. And what we are seeing is that, you know, you know, the team sizes and the investments that is required for for building such a team, it's huge. It doesn't make sense for the business. But today, data science skill set is beyond data science. We need to have the right skill set to build analytics as products rather than analytics as services. And when you come up to our products, you typically would require skill set like DevOps engineers, MLOps engineers, desktops engineers, backend developers, software engineers, Python developers, UI UX developers, you name it, right? So having the right skill set is very important, right? For me, these are the four, four things, Maha, right? Having the right business context, Understanding whether the problem statement is a solution that is a problem statement that can be solved using analytics or not. Third thing is having good understanding of data maturity and maybe having to make the right investments and wait for a year even 
to get to the right data maturity to start with a solution. And third thing is the composition of the team that you're building today to build analytics as products rather than analytics as services. So brilliantly articulated, Vijay. Very nice. Now, uh, you know, you made in this particular uh, answer, you made a statement saying data science is domain agnostic. Okay. Um, now, but having said that, uh, you obviously need domain inputs and business collaboration to make a success out of it. Right? Yeah. Um, and now, uh, you know, you have uh, worked in Tesco, which is a retailer, uh, Honeywell, which is a, you know, a B2B industrial products company, uh, ABN Bear, which is one of the, you know, largest brewing companies and, uh, you know, consumer products company for lack of a better word, right? Um, yeah. So everyone is almost different in context, right? So, uh, so how did you go about building uh, business empathy, you know, situational awareness uh, for yourself and your team? What were some of the approaches that you took uh, to learn for yourself and also ensure that business was willing to collaborate with you? Yeah. That's a very, uh, very interesting question behind it, right? One thing that we need to be very cognizant is that the colleagues that we work with, they don't come from a technology background, right? Uh, in, in, in Tesco, we're looking at you know, uh, colleagues who are 25 years in, in now in 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 buying profession or in uh, you know your uh, customer services or you name it right your logistics or your supply or uh, your sales or your marketing, and they are not very open to uh, you know collaborate always with with a, with a new technology or new breed of uh, science that we're talking about, right? Because you know, to explain to somebody that there is a there could be a better way of doing something which he or she is doing for 25 years in a specific way, it doesn't always go good with uh, good with uh, everyone, right? So first and foremost, for for us is building the right partners, right, and giving them also the view of what it what is in in it for them, right? By partnering with uh, with a with a central function, right? There's a very interesting term which is used uh, very popularly these days, which is called data leader. Data? data, data leader. Data leader. Okay. Data leader. Data leader is not the data engineering leader. Data leader is anybody who understands the value of data that he or she is sitting on, mm -hmm. and knows how to partner with the right talent. Or right skill set of people to create value out of the data that uh, that person is owning, right? That's what the data leader is. So today, you know, when you when you're looking at uh, senior positions and all, people always look at how good is that colleague or candidate in monetizing the uh, data that they have by partnering with the right people, creating the right solutions that makes a big difference to the to the business, right? So we always try to explain to our stakeholders that. What is in it for them uh, from this partnership? Because sometimes what happens is in many companies, especially data science is a centralized function. It doesn't sit always in the in the domains. It's a central function, right? The popular thought process is, why should I outsource a success story, right? Building a data science team is not a, you know, it's not a big task anymore, right? Anybody can build a 10-member data science team. It's not like, you know, a, a central team can only own a data science team. Assume I'm talking to a logistics director uh, who definitely has a problem statement or pain point. The second thought that comes to that person's mind is, but I know that's a big problem statement. It could make a big difference. But why should I partner with anyone? I can Why can't I build <laughs> my own team and own that success story for myself? So this is where this is where we need to really, really be uh, in a strategic explaining that we are in the business of making our partner successful, not in the business of making ourselves successful, right? Our success is, is a byproduct of the success that you are creating for your ecosystem or your partners, right? People will only partner with you when you see that they have something in it which could make them successful, right? Sometimes what happens is the central functions or data science functions are seen as the team who wants to run away with the cherry of the cake, right? You give a problem statement to them, they will solve it. They will present everywhere. You know, the limelight really goes to, 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 
to that <laughs> the analytics team, not to the to the to the domain experts that that partnered with us and worked so hard with us, right? So that mindset should change completely. We should be in the business of making our partner successful, and our success is, a, is a, just a byproduct of the success that we create for our partners, right? That's a very important thing. Second thing, Maha, is change management, right? Think about it. You know, many of the centers are now becoming POC centers, proof of concept centers. What happens is there's a very enthusiastic leaders that we have, right? And who come on board, who think really big and say that, you know, there are a lot of problem statements that we could solve using data, using analytics, and they create prototypes uh, on how to solve a specific problem statement using analytics than the conventional way of doing it. But the thing is that there is no passionate owners who will implement or adapt those solutions in the in the zones and make value out of it. The toughest part for me um, in analytics is not creating the solution, which probably the easiest part. The toughest part is getting the right data set and context, first of all. That's a that's the toughest part before doing any analytics. And once the solution is built, the toughest part is how are we going to sell this to the zones and business, right? How are we going to ensure that they implement these solutions and they create value for the solutions? And that's why change management becomes so important in analytics. Two years back, if you think about it, again, the investments on analytics entirely sat with the central team or the analytics team, to put it that way. No investments were made on change management, right? And because of which many solutions, great solutions indeed, uh, never saw the light of the day or never got implemented because there was not enough people who can influence right, the right stakeholders. And that necessarily is not easy sitting in an in offshore center like in India. You have to be part of that business in that zone, working with the stakeholders, showing them how the system is working, how it's changing the process, how it's transforming the process, and what value it's creating for the process for the business and the colleagues, right? And get more and more adapters and more and more believers uh, for a solution. So that's the second part. Change management is super, super important. That, again, you can only do by having great, great connects with the business, passionate owners who share the same dream uh, as we are seeing uh, sitting in a center uh, for, for the business. Great, nicely put. Now, building on your answer, my, uh, my next question is, so what you're talking about is, you know, really looking at data sets, looking at possibly breakthrough solutions using analytics, and then finding passionate owners or, uh, you know, business stakeholders, uh, you know, who, who can actually implement in the business and create value out of it, right? So in, in some sense here, the solution is created by uh, the foresight of the analytics team, if you will, working with the business and, you know, doing a sell in terms of how it can create value for them. Equally, there is a other part because any business is fraught with, uh, you know, fires and challenges today, right? There is a immediacy of crisis that every business leader is continuously, uh, you know, confronted with, right? Um, now, so if you look at the spectrum of analytics on one side, you have, you know, analytics, which is more tactical, which is here and now, you know, issues that you need to solve for today for the business to stay afloat, which is what most business leaders are focused on. And on the other side is really understanding the long-term strategic view, creating breakthrough innovation or products or services, uh, you know, which is slightly long-term-ish, but has got strategic value, right? Um, have you experienced these challenges uh, in terms of how leaders and, you know, businesses are connecting with you? And what do you think is, you know, broadly the spread in terms of, uh, you know, split in terms of, you know, projects along the spectrum? Uh, and and how do you uh, manage to prioritize, reprioritize them to ensure that business continues to stay uh, engaged with you? Yeah. So Maha, one one good thing that's happening today in any business is uh, the shifting the KPIs or the targets that people are taking. Right. Why I'm saying this is 20 years back or 15 years back, all we could hear everywhere was where. Uh, first quality, first time, whatever the on time and quality, right? So, yeah. so on time, every time and quality, yeah. On time, every time and quality, right? This was the only key KPI for measuring people, right? Uh, in 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 different businesses, but gone are those days because the business was streamlined, 
solutions or processing such in to a to such an extent that making a mistake is not easy these days. Not having not adhering to on time delivery is not easy because we have so much of uh, efficiencies that you have put uh, to the processes. Tesco is a great example, right? Tesco I would say is the most well-oiled machinery when it comes to the operations, right? The way they are streamlined their operations. The way they are lean at their way of operating, all of that. It's a great example of that because it's a one percent EBITDA business or two percent EBITDA business. They cannot afford any 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 you know any uh, additional fat uh, in any of their processes. So one thing today is that everybody, right, irrespective of which job you are doing, you are measured on value creation. That's a, that's the biggest shift I'm seeing in today's business, right? Nobody's measured on you know efficiencies as in as in on time, first time quality, all of that. Those are those are given today, right? It's like, you know, that's that nobody nobody will even take it as a target because that's supposed to be hundred percent to start with. Nobody is taking that as a key target. In most of the business I'm seeing today, at every level, whichever job family you you belong to, your biggest KPI is value creation. What value you as a leader, as a colleague, is bringing to the table? How are you transforming your processes? How are you creating, you know, how are you changing the jobs that are very traditionally operated to a, to a lean way of operations, right? And that is a big boost for uh, for us in the analytics fraternity because in 2000, today's century, every transformation is data-led transformation. You think about it, right? RPA is data-led, digital transformation, is data-led. Analytics transformation is data-led. So there is no transformation today without touching data, right? Gone are the days where process optimizations were a big thing. But even today, process optimizations are done by analytics platforms, right? There are platforms like Salonis, who will streamline, who will do the data mining and tell where you have bottlenecks in your process, right? So that's what I'm saying. Every every transformation of today's, today's world is data-led, right? When that is the case, it's all about creating the right awareness with your stakeholders on what data can enable for you, because that's something that they may not know, right, uh, with their operations way of working, right, because they are used to do in a certain job in a certain way for many years. So it's a huge responsibility of the leadership to educate the leaders on what possibilities data could open up for them, for, for, for them right? Whether it's, whether it's a digital transformation that they want to bring or analytics transformation or RPA transformation, you name it. The the basic raw material everywhere is, is data, right? And for any business, right? There is an aspect about what are we going to do in five years to, to, uh, to substantially change the business uh, uh, strategy? And what am I going to do today to keep me alive, right? To stay alive. And that mix is very important, right? Because, uh, and most of these companies, right? I'm talking about most of the companies, their maturity to the analysis journey itself is not, you know, not that long, right? We are looking at 10 years of history or last five to 10 years of history for most of the companies uh, uh, into analytics space. Not everybody is, you know, a 20 years, you know, experience into analytics. If you think about the, very popular retailers or the BFSI companies, they may have the history of 10 plus years or 20 years of experience in, in streamlining the data and using analytics and all of that. But most of the other companies, it's literally five to 10 years of experience that you're talking about. And they are also in nascent stages, right? So it's very important that it's very important that you create solutions that addresses today's problem statements, today's leakages, Today's, uh, you know, sales opportunities, today's marketing opportunities, today's logistics opportunities, right? And equally, for any leader, it's very important to create a pipeline for the future, right? The challenge with a lot of these futuristic things, Maha, right? Like, like rightfully said, right? We, I'll give an example, right? Integrated planning, right? In logistics, I'll give one example, right? Or MROI in in uh, in marketing, right? Or or the sales strategies, including your algorithmic uh, uh, sales and all of that. Your key challenge would be data, because 
you are trying to build an ecosystem which is fully connected from through all the processes and that maturity you may not have today and believe me in most of the cases you don't have that maturity so while you spend your 70 or 60% of time on solving what is relevant for the company today a substantial amount right maybe 20 to 30 to 40% of your time also need to be on understanding what it takes to building next level of next generation of solutions what sort of data sets is required what sort of frequencies is required in in in, a, in, a, in the data right and building that strategy is very important right because think about it maha right most of these erp systems right you can see the data but you can't feel the data right which means that data is there but you cannot access the data so how will you create the right data strategy data lakes right all of that to ensure that data is accessible for the practitioners to use second thing is mapping the entire process and understanding what data set is today missing which all process requires a digitization so that data start coming through the digitization and data is also accumulated so that is the key so even in our current role in my current role at least 30% of my time is on on understanding what is the future and future is in most cases it's all about bringing a holistic view of the entire process so today we are trying to solve you know uh, short term pain points right you have out of stock okay you have obsolescence right you 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 are not able to predict the sales of your pricing of your raw materials uh, but if you take so i think put it this way, very example very simple thing is improvement in your sales right that's your end goal there could be 10 different streams that could contribute to that your marketing strategy is one your uh, your partner strategy is another one because we companies like us work with big companies like tesco and walmart of the world your partnerships and how we going to use that data to build bigger solutions is important one our upsell cross sell strategy is important right uh, our uh, uh, you know everything everything in that space is important so today we are looking at each of these solutions in isolation somebody is trying to solve a problem in pricing somebody is trying to solve a problem in discount somebody is trying to solve a problem in upsell somebody is trying to solve a problem in cross sell everybody is doing it in silos but holistically we should be looking at at a at a at a higher level right you are looking say that my why is my sales improvement or based on last 10 years of experience what has worked and what hasn't worked how will you create a solution that that is bottom up looking at all these different elements connect them all together and create an engine that makes the right recommendations for the business and that again right sometimes it comes with the maturity comes 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 with the experience sometimes if you think that i'm going to do only that holistic way of solving a problem you may never get there right you have to build the basic building blocks and then start thinking of how will i have an integrated platform that does the entire sales uh, strategy for my company right obviously 30% of your time should go on that but for me the immediate need is to keep the business successful today right while building the right strategies for the future right so the focus needs to be on on especially in the companies where your maturity is not beyond 5 to 10 years there is a lot of uh, white spaces that you need to explore and create value for the business so in our world 70% goes to creating solutions for for problem statement that which i know is relevant for today and 30% goes on creating long term data strategies right that's the biggest challenge building the data strategies so that you can create a platform create an ecosystem that can look things at a more holistic level and start thinking of end to end platforms end to end solutions rather than solving you know uh in silos smaller smaller problem statements in isolation nice nice yeah so i think the, the very very clearly and nicely articulated saying you need to focus on strategy but uh, in terms of what you want to solve for the future but you need to get the infrastructure ready in terms of digitization the data exhaust uh, you know the data availability and all that to be in place so that as you start uh, you know traversing that journey you also have all this building blocks available to you uh, yeah just to add mahar right just to add one more thing is you know it's it's a it's a psychological field but you know when when you are investing like 500k on 10 different solutions by 10 different teams it doesn't come as a one big ask 
but we suddenly go and say that I need 20 million to solve a problem statement, right? You know, the, the, the solubility is very less, right? For that, you need to prove that this half a million solutions are working. They are all giving great ROI. That gives you the confidence to ask that question and give the confidence to leaders that, okay, that's such a big investment makes sense. So that's why I said you need to make yourself deserving before you start making seeing bigger dreams and bigger execution plans. The important thing is to solve, you know, smaller problem statements, prove that they're having great ROI, and integrating all of this together makes even bigger ROI, right? So that's why selling to the leadership also is important, right? If you go with this holistic view and say that I can solve a great problem statement, but give me 25 million, no business will be accommodative enough to uh, accept that. No, I totally agree, totally agree. Uh, so yeah, you have to create, uh, you know, early success, success for, you know, uh, and success breeds success, right? So once exactly. uh, the business has exactly. a lot more confidence in what the team can deliver, then, you know, they are willing to, uh, you know, cut larger checks, right? Exactly, uh, exactly. Having said that, there is also a challenge. So, you know, while you have to go through this, uh, you also have the uh, thing in terms of when you have, uh, you know, let's say there is a, um, you, you spoke of revenue growth or whatever. There are multiple factors that, uh, you know, impact revenue growth. It could be pricing, it could be partnerships, it could be product quality, uh, availability, range, et cetera, et cetera, right? Multiple things, yeah. right? And there are multiple teams working on each of this, right? And yeah. everybody starts saying that, okay, I have done this particular project. This has actually impacted the business, right? Exactly. And, uh, you know, this is this famous saying in uh, GE when Six Sigma projects were run uh, that, uh, you know, sometimes the cost saving, if you add up on all the projects, sometimes, you know, in those Six Sigma, Halcyon days of Six Sigma, uh, the total savings put together added up would be higher than the turnover of the company itself. You know, that was a joke going around. Absolutely. And, and I think I heard in one of your interviews uh, where you also mentioned something similar, saying that, you know, uh, you went somewhere and somebody said that we have, you know, that center had delivered 2 billion of, uh, you know, impact or cost savings for the business. And uh, you, you couldn't just uh, connect the dots because you didn't think the company was big enough to actually save $2 billion or whatever, right? So sometimes attribution becomes very important. Otherwise, if you just add it up, uh, right, uh, you, you know, because there's a lot of overlapping benefits that is happening, right? So, exactly. and and it is very very applicable in the growth side of analytics. On the cost saving part, it is still fairly clear, but in terms yeah. of growth, it is very difficult to attribute. So, are there any uh, any approaches uh, that you have taken, either in terms of attribution analytics or in terms of the way you have created design of experience in terms of projects? to be able to isolate the benefits uh, to a larger degree? Yeah. Again, a great question, Maha, right? Uh, credibility is a big thing for any organization or analytics organization, super, super important, right? What happens today is, like you rightfully said, everybody who does a solution for top line is attributing that success or growth to one specific solution. So, so the the cross-sell upsell team is saying, I made this 2 million uplift. Another team in sale, another team in pricing is saying, I made this uplift. And everybody's adding this two, 2 million, right? And suddenly this 2 million becomes 20 because 10 different teams claim this 2 million, right? So, and, and you right, right, rightfully said, in, in, in bottom line, it's pretty straightforward because it has to come out of the P&L, right? And without proper science, nobody can take out money from P&L, right? Which is, which is, which is very clear. But in, in, in top line, it becomes a big problem statement. How will you attribute the right value uh, to, the, to, the, to the solutions that you're building? And this was a big challenge for us. It was a big challenge for us also. Having the right value creation framework uh, was, was a very important thing. So what we started, Maha, uh, two years back is we built a framework, right? At, at, the most, at, the, at the start, it was not very, very data science or data science heavy as such. What we did is we had introduce some certain, certain standard processes in place, right? For example, any solution which is created an uplift, it has to go through a test versus control methodology, right? To understand what uplift it's giving. It needs to be approved by the zone FP&D and the business and the finance uh, to ensure that everybody, everybody uh, accepts the numbers and all of that. That was the first step, right? But what we found is that even after doing that, 
the numbers were numbers were getting challenged because a lot of people felt that the numbers are highly highly uh, inflated if you like right so in 2022 onwards a big project that we are doing is on building a platform on desktops desktops is a platform in an integrated platform that we're building for ABI to look at to help us do experiments to understand the impact coming of individual solutions because there are 10 initiatives happening in sales analytics right or 20 initiatives happening in marketing analytics how will you take out how will you take out the impact of one uh, one solution taking out the noise of another 19 or or nine becomes a problem statement and believe me maha on this sometimes the effort required to quantify sometimes is much more than the effort required to build the solution right the the kind of science that you need to put in removing the noise and understanding what uh, what exactly a solution has given uh, or added value to a specific problem statement is sometimes more complicated than building an individual solution but these investments are very much required because most of the organizations are capex driven organizations right every year we have to pitch in uh, and and that's how you get your funding for your solutions right and roi is a big problem big you know leading indicator in in uh, in, uh, in 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 when somebody is making a decision on capex investments and think about a place where you are saying 10x roi and the leadership doesn't now believe that that 10x is 10x right so what we have seen is that you know by building the right science in place putting the right platforms in place in our case that just platform is a, which is an experimental platform we can we can do all the experiments with respect to what uplift what growth what contribution each vehicle has provided right it may have significantly reduced the numbers that we've been quoting but those numbers are credible numbers right so nobody is nobody is really expecting a 20 times roi right only in analytics we talk about talk about 20x roi right it's just not known to the market right uh, you know in a business uh, payoff in two years also is seen as a great <laughs> great yeah. investment right we started making the rois too big right so even if your 20x roi moves to 5x roi it doesn't matter because still you are giving great value to the business compared to any other investments that the business could do right but at least we are quoting a number which everybody believes in everybody agrees to right and everybody finds uh, finds uh, have faith in right so right right i think it's it's very important otherwise you know uh, when it's early stages right when it's early stages you are you are honeymoon period of 2 3 4 years when you're building a coe right where you're selling the dreams but after that honeymoon period is over uh, without very credible science and very credible experiments to prove the real value you won't have you don't find the kind of takers that you want to exponentially grow uh, your 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 uh, your reach uh, in a company of what we can do with uh, data nice very very clearly articulated now uh, you know which are you in tesco uh, which is a retailer you know club card program one of the you know best loyalty programs if you will in the uk and worldwide so a lot yeah. of customer data understanding of customers end consumers their choices their you know their, their taste their you know uh, transaction uh, history all that available to understand customers better and then fine tune what you want to offer right abn yeah. bev uh, is a brewing company I, i'll call it a consumer product company because you're selling through yeah. the test from cg yeah. world right yeah, yeah. 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 One removed from the end customer in some sense. You sell to a retailer yeah. who intends sells to the end consumer, right? Now, uh, but then in in the world of data, you need to understand your end consumers as much as you can because you can create a lot more value, right? Because data exhaustion only increases, right? So yeah. just wanted to understand. So given your experience of having been Tesco and now being in ABN, what are some of the approaches that consumer goods companies can do? to have a little more understanding of the end consumer which in turn helps them you know better their business uh, also what do you see is the importance of outside in perspective from data i mean most of us have data which is internally created and we use it right how important yeah. is ability to bring in outside in data uh, important and uh, can you talk of some use cases if uh, you know uh, how sure. it can be leveraged yeah 
No, definitely, Mahalai. You know, the race is in understanding the customer behavior, right? That's that's the whole crux of all of yeah. this, right? It's how will you understand the customer behavior? That's the crux of everything. And that you rightfully said cannot be done by looking at your own data sets, right? You need yeah. to understand what's happening in the market with all of your competitors and all, all of your other, other key players in the market, right? You know, uh, data is one of the most, you know, it's one of the most costly commodity, if you like, right? If you ask me, companies like Google or Amazon or, or uh, you know, uh, all these companies, Facebook, you name it, right? The key asset is data, right? What, what they are really trading is the data that they have, right? How much they can know about your customers, their liking, their preferences. Well, that's, a, what's a, that's a real business model behind most of the, the most successful, if you take the top five most successful companies in the world, at least three of them, their main asset is the data, not not the technology that they built. That asset is the actual data that they acquire of the customers, right? And that's why you partnering with the right data partners also becomes super important in today's world, right? Even during our Tesco days, Maha, right? We used to use IRI and Nielsen data extensively, right? But the 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 reach of IRI or Nielsen data that we saw in ten years back is much different to what the penetration that they can uh, they are providing or the the layer that they're providing today, right? So obviously, so obviously we are also partnering with uh, with a lot of this uh, third-party uh, data providers, name it IRI, Nielsen, IHS, to name a few, right? And in the beer world, there are a lot of companies which again focuses on 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 on, uh, on selling or providing data, which is even more niche. There are companies which helps you get data on, you know, the 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 uh, obviously it's a partnership. Right, that we need to enter with those companies, which gives information on uh, at a pork level. The pork is ultimate point of consumption, like a restaurant chain, right? A restaurant chain. What is moving? What is not moving? What are we people buying together with your product or your competitor's product, right? At that level, even even today, data is available, right? Which means that at a demographic level, right? What are the what are the what are the, what are the skews that people are finding interesting, right? A great example. A great example is if you know if you know uh, with a with a big restaurant chain or a pub chain, right, or a, a club chain or whatever. If you know what are the common things in a basket, right? A, a specific customer when they buy your beer, right? What are the things that they buy together, right? There's an opportunity for you to create an upsell, op, op, upsell or cross-sell opportunity with the partnership with that with that restaurant or a pork chain. It's it's a mutual benefit, right? We say that, guys, let's let's come to an agreement that we'll create a, a campaign for a pork chain which got like thousand outlets across Americas or two thousand outlets across Americas, which means that it's mutually beneficial for both the parties, right? It yeah. benefits the pork chain, it benefits uh, our business. Another example, Maha, is we're building a solution called Category Analytics. There, the key idea is uh, helping the retailers grow their category, right? In that process, our sales also improving. So, what we are telling, for example, to a Tesco or a Walmart or or a, or a Target is that we are giving very granular insights on based on the positioning of the shop, the demographics, the people they believe, their characteristics, all of that. What sort of skews should be kept, right? What are people's liking? At what price points they are buying it? And all this information we are providing to the retailers. Sometimes this is something that a retailer should do for, for his, his own growth. What we are doing today is that what we're doing today is that we are doing that piece of work for our key partner, not for everyone, our key big 10 partners, for example, right? We are creating a solution that tells them. What should be the ideal category strategy that helps you grow your sales, right? And our growth again is an outcome of their growth again, Maha, right? For example, if, and in, in some cases, what we're seeing is that this insights has killed our categories also in certain spaces, right? It's it's not always, it's not always a plus. When you are opening up the, the insights, you find that some of your own cues needs to be delisted because that itself is not working in your favor or the, in the favor of, that retailer, so it's a it's a two way two way uh, street. 
I'm not doing something which is only benefiting us, right? We are doing something, certain things which is benefiting a big retail like Tesco or Walmart. At the same time, it's benefiting me, right? As, as, as in the company, right? So I'm very proud to say that the solution that we built, I cannot give the numbers out, but the our growth, our benefit is only 20% of the benefit that the retailers saw. But how does it matter, right? We are in the business of making our retailers or our partner successful, right? When they become successful, we also become successful, right? So very, 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 uh, you know, uh, prompt question, Maha, um, right? Partnering with the right strategy partners is important. Partnering with the right, uh, you know, retailer, retail groups that, that work with us. Hawk chains, I'm talking about chains which are like extensive coverage in different parts of the world and America, South America, Middle America, North America and all of that. Partnering with them is important because that's, those partnerships gives us access to the data that helps us understand how people, uh, you know, buy our products, right? What they buy it along with, right? At what price points they buy, what sort of discounts they like, what the promotions they like. And that gives us more and more information to create a more tailored, more personalized, uh, you know, uh, offerings to our customers. Very nicely articulated. So essentially you're saying, I mean, my belief was that it is retailers who have to feed data back to consumer good companies. But you're saying right now, larger consumer good companies have now got the maturity to also understand market level demographics. And in exactly. some sense, uh, you know, contribute to the retailer as well. Uh, it may yeah. lead to a level of either uh, skew or product group cannibalization or possibly even brand cannibalization. But you're saying yeah. it definitely improves the level of relationship because if exactly. your insects is helping the retailer, then the quality of relationship is beyond transactional. It becomes of a lot course, more right. Of course, of course, of course. Think, think, think about the volume that's being sold by uh, Tesco or Walmart. It's, 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 it's huge, right? Uh, yeah. Very nice. Excellent. Okay. Now, let me get into a little more technical stuff, so to speak. Um, you know, now uh, this whole, you know, deep learning models are coming. People are talking of NLP, computer vision, all the type of stuff. Uh, to me, as I see them, they are all training models. It's a, to an extent, it's like a black box, right? You, you give a output, you keep training the model and the, you know, the model eventually will give you some output, which you measure yeah. from a practical perspective to see, is it really giving improvement in terms of accuracy or prediction, uh, you know, uh, uh, level connect or whatever it is, right? Um, however, uh, business, obviously, for various reasons of, you know, for reasons of control, for reasons of being able to justify investment, for reasons of regulations, uh, you know, needs to really understand, uh, you know, can you explain what are the input factors if you change, uh, you know, the output will actually come out and, you know, what is really happening? It is not good enough to say if these four things, you know, I put in and this is what will come out. They want to understand yeah. uh, the logic behind, you know, what is really there, right? Now, yeah. the minute you uh, bring this in, what means is also they, they are looking at it from a controllables perspective, right? There are things that they can control and they would like to control that. And that's why they need to understand it a lot more, right? Yeah. So, for yeah. example, if I say range and I say life stage of customers coming in, life stage of customers, the the business can't control. It is what it is. I mean, eventually you can control, but today yeah. if somebody's walking yeah. in, you can't control that. It's a family, then it's a family, right? But the range can possibly control to ensure that the family has the best experience and buys more type of stuff, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. why for them, if I put family stage and range into a particular black box, they're always worried. They want to know, explain what is really moving what, right? Yeah. But the point is, uh, what happens is when you, uh, you know, when you do this uh, type of stuff, for example, if you go to decision tree, explainability is far better, but the accuracy may not be as good as a deep learning model where the accuracy will be far better, but the explainability will be very poor, right? Uh, are these challenges that you have faced uh, in, you know, in your, uh, in your experience so far uh, or come across others who have spoken to you about it? And, you know, what are some of the trade-offs you see here? There are solutions which requires explainability and there are solutions which doesn't require explainability. I'll give an example, right? Hmm. A solution of ours, which uses the images coming from all the freezers, all the chest freezers, all the uh, 
in all the bars and on restaurants and all we supply the uh, our branded freezers where you keep your beer and you are supposed to keep the beer in a specific way that helps the brand building right there's no point in somebody keeping the beer with the price tag at the front and the uh, the, the main tag uh, in, inside so there's one solution that jerry looks at the images and tells which pokes are adhering to our 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 branding standards and which pokes are not adhering to our branding standards an example another example is in marketing physical marketing companies needs to give a proof of what they have done for example a contract could be for putting a neon budweiser light in 100000 uh, outlets in us they need to put a proof that they have done it and many a times what happens is they don't without doing the right job they manipulate that image they put the same image from california for a tour in uh, carolina north carolina right and we need to identify who is doing a fraud these are examples where you don't need explainability at all right you just need a solution right and ideally a deep learning solution because those kind of solution can only be deep learning right which tells that you know it's a black and white answer that i want right who is adhering to who is not adhering to who is doing a fraud who is not fraud doing a fraud i don't have to understand why he is doing a fraud right so these are these are great use cases right especially in video image uh, text right these are use cases where a deep learning uses where explainability is not the score right where the challenge comes is when you use deep learning techniques for the regular problem statements or the, the where you use deep learning on to structure data problem statements right for example demand forecasting right or pnl forecasting right uh, you know the biggest accuracy in 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 a, in, a, in a sales forecast uh, is great but beyond that what the department would want to know is what are the five different factors that has contributed to it how much of i can control those two five five different parameters to avoid for the scenario in the future right and that's where deep learning gets a hit right because sometimes deep learning what it does is it becomes super black box it obviously it gives right right uh, right accuracy right but the explainability explainability may not be great right so it's not helping us to fix that problem statement or fix that root cause right and that's where sometimes you need to use a lot of explainable ai solutions right even in deep learning now you're exploring solutions which is uh more explainable in that sense that's one thing in certain areas we are even gone back from deep learning techniques to more traditional techniques because explainability is takes a bigger bigger significance than just giving a 99% accuracy uh, of an outcome right so it's it's a trade off that we need to uh, think about maha right what is important in the solution is it just outcome that's important then deep learning definitely takes a huge huge uh you know uh, uh yeah advantage but when it explainability either we need to explore explainable ai techniques in deep learning or sometimes we may have to we may have to uh, uh, agree on solutions which doesn't give the greatest accuracy but more explainability and second thing ma is sometimes right people get so obsessed with this uh, this uh, this accuracy numbers right so you need to know what accuracy levels are good for you right in many of the solutions a good 80 to 85% accuracy is more than enough to understand the gauge gauge the health of the business or or do the right things for the business right Now, only 1% of the business are in a business where you know you're sending something like a, a drug which are either kill or keep the person alive right? where you cannot cannot you know take any chance you know accuracy needs to be like you know 99.999 or 100% right? yeah sigma or 12 sigma levels like in airline industry right but a normal business right you also shouldn't get obsessed too much about the accuracy levels right a good 80% accuracy could be good enough for a sales problem statement or a logistics or a supply or a procurement problem statement it may not call for 99% 97% accuracy so that's also something that you need to think about adding that additional investment on accuracy is it going to give you back in returns or not in many times it plateau after a certain level right a 80% accurate solution and a 95% accurate solution the delta value that you're going to get may not be you know not not necessary in all the use cases in many use cases the delta 
if you consider the investment that you made, may not be big enough, is all I'm saying. Yeah. So you have to look at the point of diminishing returns and, uh, you know, and then pick. I think beautifully articulated examples of where explainable AI may not be required at all. And, you know, and for wherever explainable AI is required, like you said, you have to look at the accuracy levels and the point of diminishing returns and not really, uh, you know, exactly. get too stuck into the accuracy levels. Yeah, very nicely articulated. Exactly. Thanks. Exactly. Because, I, I, because I would have to have a, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, think about it, right? In, in deep learning, especially, system creates its own variable, right? Those variables are only known to the system, right? Because each variable is an engineered variable, right? A one variable could be a mix of 10 different variables. That explaining that one variable it has created with 20 another variable, variables, it's impossible for anybody to do, right? Correct. You have to look at collinearity. What is the level of impact yeah. each has on each of them? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I, I actually would have loved to have a lot more, but I think we are up for time. So I will, you know, jump to the last question. You now, you know, you're a analytics leader for the last 17 years, and you know everybody seems to be saying data science and analytics is is the place to go. What would your top two or three advice be for, uh, you know? aspiring data analyst, data scientist, or anybody who is actually, you know, starting off their professional certification uh, journey. What should, yeah. you know, to be a good data scientist or analyst or be successful in this space? What are the top two things you think people should focus on, develop, imbibe, etc.? First and foremost, all right, data science is a very democratic space in the sense that, you know, uh, 10 years, 15 years back, the definition of data scientist is that you should have a master's in economics or MSc in uh, statistics, right? Uh, five years back, the definition was you should have an engineering background or a maths background. Fast forward to 2023, anybody could become a data scientist as long as you're willing to invest your time, right, in, in learning, right? Second thing is, second thing is, you know, uh, I keep on telling this to all the, all the students when I go to campuses, right, is, uh, if you become a lawyer, you can only hone your skills if you get cases, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you you get your skill as a lawyer, right? If you're a doctor and if you're a surgeon, you only learn that skill by doing. Surgeons. Somebody should be willing to get you get their surgery done by you <laughs> to, yeah. to learn, right? Yeah. Data science is one science, right? One science. If you learn without any issues, you can apply that for many things. Put it this way: if you go to Kaggle or UCLA, there are Tens of thousands of problem statements, which which addresses, you know, a gambit of solutions in you name it from upsell, your logistics, your procurement, your marketing. What I'm saying is, you are you have a lot of opportunities to to experiment and learn more and more. You don't have to get a job itself, right? To get get learning, right? These days, I've seen students who take even a break of a year and all, just to after their education and and all, right? They take a, a year break just to improve their scoring in Kaggle, right? Companies today recruit just by looking at the Kaggle performance of a candidate. They don't really look at even whether that person has worked 20 years in a company or 10 years or in a company, it doesn't matter to a, to a new age company, right? So that's first thing. That is a very democratic space as long as you're willing to invest time, right? Uh, and, and you should be always willing to upgrade yourselves because yesterday's technology is not today's technology and tomorrow's technology is not going to be today's technology, right? As long as you love that, you know, continuous learning, right? It's a great place to be, right? But one thing you should always know is, you know, people always see data science as this very fancy job of, you know, of of uh, somebody who's coding from morning to night, you know, sitting with three, you know, screens, uh, <laughs> all of that, right? That's not really a data scientist world, right? Probably a 30% of your job is on the actual coding, right? Yeah. Like I said, uh, it's out of the session also, right? A significant thing goes to understanding the problem statement, understanding the domain, domain, right? Uh, understanding the data set. What is this data telling, right? Would, believe me, half of the things in SAP, which is a popular, very popular ERP system, half of the information there has no context unless you lot of put a lot of investments and a lot of time investments in time to understanding what each of this table is telling you. Right, so a lot of time goes into that. Right, then, then comes 
gives a very boring job of cleaning the data. There is no such data which no, there is no such company which is data rich. If you go to Google, also employees they will be saying, "Oh, we don't have good data, right?" <laughs> right. So there is no company which is data rich. There's a lot of elements about data cleaning, right? Feature engineering, feature selection, building experiments, then finding that okay, we don't have that variable. How to find the data of that variable, right? So thirty percent is probably probably your uh, your your cohort core coding job. Seventy percent is your leadership skill set, your ability to work with the business, ability to understand the business problems and statements, understand the data problem uh, data landscape, working with data engineers to understand how to get the data on board. Right. Once a solution is built or a POC is built, going back to the business, explaining it to them, selling it to them. Right. You are a salesperson also in that sense. Right, uh, getting it adapted, getting the investments to uh, build an even bigger solution, which is more of a platform rather than a, uh, a one-off solution. So don't, at least in 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 inward in a center like us, right? Um, I can definitely talk about centers like us, right? If you are in a service organization, maybe there are different layers, right? There's a person who's selling, person who's doing the context, all of that, right? But if you are if you're working inside a company, right? You are the salesperson. You are the pre-sales person. You are the marketing person. You are the coder. You are the data engineer. You are your you are UX developer, right? Everything is you. You are the program manager. You are the product owner. Everything is you, right? So don't think that data science is all about coding and being the best coder, right? Especially if you're working inside an organization, uh, uh, trying to solve their own problem statement. So it's a it's a mix of your technical capability and equally your leadership capability, behavioral skill set, right? How you how you operate, how you build great uh, friends in the business, great partners in the business, art of working with them, most importantly, the art of making them successful rather than making you successful, which is a byproduct of their success anyway. So things like that, right? You are in a in a you are data science is a is a vehicle today, right? It's a vehicle to transform business, right? Or or transform the business using the data, right? So the definition of data science can keep on changing, right? Maha, you would know, right? Uh, uh, 15 years back, Informatica and all in the BI dashboards were the where that was seen as the biggest thing in the business, right? We have enterprise reporting, that was analytics. Then a basic regression became analytics. Today, deep learning and generative AI is being talked about analytics of today. So definition of analytics, definition of uh, the platforms, and we'll keep on changing. What matters is you have the mindset to understand a problem statement. And that belief that you can make a difference to the company, right? So that transformative mindset is very important to stay uh, to stay relevant in uh, in, uh, in in any business. And last thing I would say uh, to audiences is, technologies will come and go, but great problem solvers, right? They will be always in demand, respective of the platform, respective of the tool. If you are a person who knows the art of uh, art art of understanding pain points of a business. And the art of building a solution with respect to the technology, you will be always in demand, right? That's how you build a long-term career, right? So that's what I would definitely tell, right? Have that mindset, that mindset that I'm going to change something today. I'm going to transform something today. I'm going to bring a new dollar to the business, right? Uh, that mindset is very important. Nice. So transformative mindset, which is which is a combination of uh, soft skills, ability to engage right. with people. And and you yeah. know having a focus saying I I will solve something for today right uh, problem exactly. solving exactly and then, and and what's a what's a, what's a guarantee that data science will be always be a coders world right we're already talking about generative AI right uh, tomorrow it may not be a, a coders world right uh, BI is not more a coders world my twelve year old son can build his own dashboards in Power BI. Right. Tomorrow's AI tools could be even more uh, user friendly. Right. So it's all about that. Your your fire for creating value for the business, transforming something. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, uh, I've been, uh, you know, as I'm getting old, I'm trying various things. So with ChatGPT coming for me to uh, make, a, I've always had teams creating dashboards or whatever insights for me. And uh, so as I started on my own, I wanted to figure out how do I do this. And then, you know, I've been figuring out that chat GPT, you can actually get it to write you codes, which you can actually then paste in HTML graphs out of it. Right? Exactly. Uh, so, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. Your things are changing. So the so it is it, it is required that people continue to stay, like you said, with a transformative mindset, 
which is again being having the right people skills, engagement skills, being curious to learn more and so on. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Exactly. So, Vijo, uh, thank you so much for uh, making time for this expert talks session. Uh, I mean, your your answers are both, you know, uh, practical and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed your, your, you know, clarity of thought in the way you approach, uh, you know, uh, the, the type of problem that you're trying to solve in a known organization, also the way you look at analytics at analytics and data science at large. Um, I'm sure our listeners will thoroughly enjoy and learn from this session. Uh, thank you once again for making time. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Maha. Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, I had learned a lot from you. You know, Maha was leading the transformation, right? Innovation transformation team in in uh, in, uh, in 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 Tesco. So Maha was Maha is one of my earlier gurus in in this space event, right? So thanks for this opportunity, Maha. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you.